0: Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing podcast and my name is Dr. Andrew Trasida working for Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group and it's my great pleasure to introduce today, to welcome today as guest, as producer and as co-host David Seeley, uh, um, Commissioning
1: Manager for Somerset CCG Adult Mental Health and Dementia Services. Welcome David hello Andrew this is odd for me to be actually on the episode rather than just kind of lurking in the background on the chat and things I probably should explain that in a little more detail for people but as you said I'm the sort of producer creator of the show like uh, when way back when in the dawns of time we won't go into too much of a history lesson uh, but we stood up the pastoral care cell last year uh, in 2020 as a response to the pandemic a lot of different pieces of work came out of that one of which was this podcast and uh, you know you, you were creating lots of really really good materials I remember for people like advice about well-being and things like that to help them cope with stress and so we talked about various ways of getting that message out there and uh came across the idea of a podcast because i've got some experience with that in the past and then uh, yeah peter joined us for the first episode and then sort of that that's how the the podcast came about and uh, now here we are 39 episodes in which is crazy. Um, but it's been a really, really great journey to to be with you both on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to be this side of the mic for once, but I'm glad that you guys usually do it because you're such good hosts. <laughs> you're, you're very kind. Well, Peter, unfortunately, isn't with us today.
0: But it's just been great and it's it's all down to you so all credit to you for creating it and, and pushing it and helping it come about and i think we actually managed to get some funding for it for which we'll talk about in a minute
1: yeah yeah exactly yeah because it's part of the uh, resilience hub which we this is the the title of this episode is uh, somerset emotional Wellbeing resilience hub so we're not really burying the lead but we'll get into that in a second in a little more, more detail um but yeah no it's been it's been a great project to be involved with and just so that people know who are out there if they're interested in listening we, we have a We've reached a global audience. We've had over six and a half thousand listens so far to our 37 episodes that are out at this point. I've got to remember where we are chronologically. Uh, And uh, we were uh, even shortlisted for the HSJ Award for Mental Health Innovation of the Year last year, which is really, really good achievement for us all. And I think um, it's it's nice to be part of something which is being really well received and uh, hopefully will go on for a long time to come. Well, that's great. So we have sort of launched into talking about the podcast because here we are doing one
0: and welcome. Yeah. On. But <laughs> what's, the, what's all the history of this? So we started the pandemic and Somerset CCG very wisely said, we think we need a pastoral care cell to look at the health and well-being of frontline staff. And so um, I think a couple of meetings were set up looking right across primary care, secondary care, health, uh, health, health and social care uh voluntary sector and and tell me what how, that, that's what i remember and i can't remember very much more of the detail of what happened
1: yeah so uh, in the early days of it we we put out a letter of support to care homes immediately didn't we because we knew that we needed to to get that message out there that the system was supporting the whole healthcare system in some sense supporting staff in in the care homes who were going through a really difficult time at that, that um, at that moment um you know, I think they were seeing some, some lots of losses and bereavements in in the care homes at that point, so that was one of the first things we did. Then we stuck it we put together we, we realized we needed to find all the different support options that were out there for people local and national because there, there were a lot of emails flying around. There's lots of different websites and great resources out there, but it's kind of difficult to know which ones to trust or which ones were useful. And also uh, they were clogging up people's inboxes because every single one was coming out on a separate email. So we put together a thing which we called the Staff Support Matrix. Um, Andrew keith's uh, bequest. Actually, we should get Andrew on a future episode as, as guest. now. I think uh, it's, been, it's been long enough in that uh, he's, you know, we, 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 we'll be glad to welcome him when he does appear. As a guest, um, but yeah, so uh, we put together this matrix, which basically told staff if you work here, these are the support options that are available and open to you, um, and uh, got that out there just as a stopgap measure. And when we did that, we realised, as when we did a little bit of a gap analysis on it, that uh, the NHS staff had—I I can't remember the exact percentage—but quite a lot more support options open to them than the non-NHS staff did which was a a real concern because obviously care home staff are often non-NHS and the VCSE sector and the voluntary sector staff uh, who are out there doing great work on the front line they're also often non-NHS And I have
0: to pay tribute at this point to one of our members who came from one of our big provider NHS organisations in Somerset, uh, uh, Somerset Foundation Trust, um, the the lead psychologist there, who was very, very keen not only to share the strategy that they put together for the Foundation Trust and share it most generously so we could um, share best practice, but also to reiterate that we wanted... And I know it sounds a bit technical, but we wanted a universal minimum offer. We wanted everybody to get something valuable rather than some employing organisations were able with occupational health and staff support to actually provide it at quite a high level. Whereas others really may have struggled to do that um, other than just managers, goodwill and, and, and teamwork.ing So that's been a, a guiding principle through the, the working of the cell.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, yeah, Lorna Stewart, who is the person you talked about there at SFT, um, they they were really ahead of the curve in a lot of ways because they saw all of this happening right in the early stages of the pandemic, and they were looking at the data coming out of China from the early stages, and they were also looking at uh, the past cases from SARS and like the learning from those uh, the from that that had happened pri- previously, and they sort of had developed their own internal um, systems to help staff resilience uh, and things, which we have. Taken a little step further, which we'll get into in in a minute. Um, but yeah, that staff support matrix was an Excel document, and it was functional, but it was not pretty, and it was not easy to use. So uh, we've developed that into a website, which we'll touch on in a minute. We'll come to that in just a minute. Who who have been the members of the? Um, not by name
0: but what organizations have been represented on the uh, on the primary care on the oh scale?
1: well uh, yeah across the whole somerset system we've had great uh representation so we've had uh yeah people obviously from the acute hospitals the ccg we've had uh people from the voluntary and community social enterprise sector the vcse sector that's what it means if anyone hurt me use that horrible acronym a minute ago <laughs> so we've had representatives of like charities like spark uh, and people like that and Be- becky wardle from rethink's been there as well uh, we've had members of the pharmacies from the lmc uh We've had people from uh, the uh, LARCH, which is the uh, care home group uh, that's been set up. And recently, we, you know, we've had lots more people join from all over, basically the whole kind of patch of Somerset, all health and care staff. Other council, obviously, let's not forget Somerset County Council. They've been really, really helpful and really uh, a great part of that group as well. So in a way, let's um, not too NHS-y, but uh, we have kind of been working as an integrated care system it's a foreshadowing of the actual integrated care system coming into place. Interesting,
0: yes, and and, um, on acronyms, LMC means local medical committee, so that's uh, GPs and primary care, that's uh, the representative, and and as I say, local pharmaceutical committee. So we've we've really felt very, very pleased and proud that so many people wanted to come forward and give their time to contribute to to, um, networking, to building relationships and to ideas. Yeah. and it so happened that these ideas were around,
1: and then what happened regarding bids and opportunities? So yeah, we, uh, so also St Margaret's Hospice, must not forget them, they've Ooh, been yes, kind of indeed. an instrumental part of all of what we've been doing as well, and obviously they, they need support there as well, so it's been really great to have them on board. Uh, yeah, so uh, what have we um, done to take things forward? Uh, well, basically uh, we, in last, I think it was around November, end of last year, NHS England gave us an opportunity to bid for some funding, Uh, for a a staff resilience hub um, that uh, mental health and well-being resilience hub I think is the exact term so we'd written a bid then they sort of changed their minds about how it was going to work and instead of giving it on a case-by-case basis they just said everybody in the whole country needs to have this so we're going to allocate you some funding which is fantastic. Very, very good of them to do that and much needed, sorely needed. I think actually you could argue this was needed before the pandemic, um, but certainly needed now. Uh, There's an article on the BBC actually today, which is all about uh, the headline is NHS and social care staff burnout at an emergency level report. Uh, So basically we we knew or the NHS England knew we all knew that following the pandemic the physical health requirements of the pandemic there would be a predicted mental health uh, need uh, peak as a result of those physical health issues and all the different stresses that are on people and the different effects that uh, the pandemic has had on different people Um, we can get into that a little bit more in a minute but anyway so we were lucky to get some money With that money, what we did was we set up the idea of uh, the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Colleague Resilience Hub. That's kind of hung around four main pillars. So we've got the, the first one is the colleague support line. Which Somerset Foundation Trust and Lorna Stewart's team had kind of stood up within Somerset Foundation Trust uh, something similar to what we needed already, uh, and uh, it was basically a phone number that staff could call, colleagues could call um, to get support, uh, immediate support with uh, you know a psychologically trained person who was then able to kind of get them access into services if they needed it as well uh, as the next step. So it wasn't just that phone call; it's about the the pathway that follows that and where how they can uh, get people help that need the help more more in depth help. Uh, and so that's been fantastic. We've worked with Lorna and the team to give them a little bit of the funding to recruit some more people. And now we've been able to extend that across the whole of Somerset, all health and care staff. Uh, for those who are listening who want to know the number, and I'm sure you'll hear this multiple times, it's 0300 124 5595 uh, and that is open nine till five, seven days a week. And you can also schedule calls callbacks with them um, to match when you're available in your shift pattern, for example. Uh, and they'll do that where they can to accommodate. So um, that's been great to work with Lorna and the team there and extend that offer out. Uh, and we're going to be working with them even further to expand that in the future as we move forwards. Uh, then the next pillar, as it were, is the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing website, which is somersetemotionalwellbeing.org. Uh, And that website is a a platform with lots of different functionality. Um, So when you get to the homepage, you can start typing, if you click on I work in or I'm feeling, and you can start typing uh, where you work or how you're feeling, and then click on the option that suits you. So for us, it would be Somerset CCG or whichever organization you work for, or I'm feeling sad for example, click on that option, then what it does is it cleverly filters all the support options that were on that horrible support matrix, difficult document, cleverly in the background and just automatically gives you what you can access in a nice, easy to digest format. Uh, and it gives you it in a priority order um, that we have decided. So the most important options come up at the top, and then there's sort of like more different options available as you go down the list. Uh, And you're also able to give us feedback about how useful you find those options. So once you click through to something and you use it, There is a page that pops up, which allows you to give a star rating for how useful you found it and a comment, if you want to give us a comment about how you thought the resource was. And then what we're gonna do is use that feedback to make sure the more useful things come higher up the search rankings. And the not so useful things go to the bottom or drop off the list essentially that's
0: that's really helpful david for explaining where the um, the, the website has come from the um, you said horrible document that you produced it was a great <laughs> document and you know you put hours and hours of work into making sure all the links work so yeah. please don't do yourself down and just to say both the website and the colleague helpline they're now live
1: They are now live, yet they officially launched on the 7th of June, Um, so they're both there. There's going to be a lot of promotional materials about, so you should see business cards, posters, uh, big fabric banners in various places. There's lots of emails and things going to be pinging around about it, and bulletins in various publications and internal newsletters. There's also going to be assets which you can use to help us to promote it, so there's going to be email signature blocks that you can add at the bottom of your emails if you're allowed to do that. There's going to be video call backgrounds. So if you're on an MS Teams call or a Zoom call, you can be representing the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Hub in the background behind you. And it's also, we've prepared some wallpapers that hopefully some of the organisations will be able to put on the desktops of their computers. Well,
0: that's great. And the website is the Somerset Emotional
1: Wellbeing.org.uk. No, it's just .org. Uh, al- although actually, I believe we did also buy all the domains. So if you accidentally go to Emotional Wellbeing.com, that should redirect as well. So it doesn't really matter which one you go to, you should end up at our .org address, which is where everything sits. And also that brings me on to the third and fourth pillars of the hub, which are the podcast. Uh, so we had already begun doing the podcast as we discussed, but actually uh, we were able to uh, put that into this overall Resilience Hub offering because it enables us to find topics in real time that people care about or are are concerned about. And then we can record episodes in an agile way that enables us to put them out the next week. So we can find out what people are thinking or, or or worrying about uh, or something that's in the the media that people are talking about. We can record an episode on that topic and then we can put it out just a week later, free for everybody on demand, uh, which is great. So that's been good to be able to roll that in and it's been able to um, make sure we've got funding to carry this on into the future, which is fantastic. Um, And also we are going to make those podcasts searchable in a way. At the moment, they're displayed chronologically. Uh, on our feed which is just how it works but actually it doesn't really matter that we record an episode about about depression way back in you know last sort of july actually people will always want to know about depression so we're going to add them all as separate resources to the hub website as well so people will be able to type in um on the advanced search uh you know uh, for example menopause we just recorded an episode about the menopause and they'll be able to find that resource there for them whenever they want to know about that topic
0: uh, as you say, agile and responsive to what's in the news, but also creating a library of resources that um, one of the things we've always tried to do, yourself, Peter, I, and all our guests, is is to talk for all time and to um, talk to every audience that it's relevant to, to who, who might listen to us.
1: Yes, um, exactly. And it's... Is- it's, it's just having that on-demand, free library of resources. There will never be adverts, paid adverts. We don't make money from these podcasts. We pay money to create these podcasts for people. And I think the best example of how that's been used really well so far is we did an episode called Surviving a Mental Health Crisis – uh, with two of the uh, nurses from the, uh, uh, I think they're from the home treatment team or the crisis team. I'm Sorry, I forget which one now, but it was an amazing episode. They approached us and they were fantastic. They came really, really prepared. They had more notes than anyone I've ever seen on an episode of the podcast so far. And they actually now signpost their uh, people that approach their service to listen to that episode because it's got a lot of the materials in there explained in a way that is means it's there to help people when they need it and it can signpost those people or onto further resources and things when they need it most. And so that's a great example of, of how the podcast fills that gap. And, and yeah, moving forward, so that's how we hope people will use the podcast.
0: And uh, common themes, if I remember, have been that we often invite people to put their feet flat on the floor to allow their spines to be comfortable. And if you're driving a vehicle at this moment or using heavy machinery, please don't engage in this exercise. But feet flat on the floor, spine comfortable, and allow yourself to take three or four slow, gentle, regular, rhythmic breaths and
1: allow yourself to just settle, settle. Um, uh, it's it's great to actually be here when you do that andrew because i've heard you do it many a time and uh, it's uh, it's a great exercise and i think it's always worth repeating uh, and actually uh, it's it's something that i think that you you particularly are really great at bringing to the podcast you and peter both have different strengths i know peter likes to play the cynic a little bit more and you like to play the the optimist more or the, the more kind of uh, open-minded person but i know really you both wear both hats it's just you know you're great at playing those roles on the show and i think that that's one of the things you really bring to it is those exercises
0: Oh, you're very kind. And the other two strands that we we try and put in, we we're, we live in Somerset. We're recording in Somerset. We are very fortunate in Somerset to have lots of access to nature, and nature is so good for mental health, for physical health, and and so many other aspects. And and the other strand that we put in, that we've been very fortunate that uh, the CCG has has commissioned and and put together um, the uh, Open Mental Health and Somerset Mind Line, uh, and. I think we try and always get the um, telephone number and it's 01823 <laughs>
1: great work yeah no open mental health is a massively exciting project uh, and actually we were won't go into that in too much detail but we were lucky to get some transformational funding for that and to be able to work really closely with the vcse and somerset foundation trust to, to put that together and uh, they were nominated for uh i believe they are nominated for an award this year uh and there's they're just it's fantastic like it's just a great resource people can access it by phone in mind line in fact if you're thinking about going to your gp with a mental health concern I would say, you know, obviously that's an option that's open to you, but try calling Mindline as well because they're always there to talk to you twenty-four-seven and they actually can access these services for you or put you in, in touch with the right people. They also can uh, uh prescribe you prescribe you or you know give you an association with i think it's a, a well-being navigator is the term who is somebody who will help you to navigate not just the nhs services but also all of the brilliant vcse resources that are out there all the different groups and support groups and different activity groups and things that there are to help with well-being and a lot of them are out and about in the nature of somerset making use of that great resource
0: so we're, we're very lucky in somerset that lots of people Working together to make all this happen.
1: So you mentioned that there are four pillars, and we've covered three. What would the fourth one? So the fourth one, Andrew, you know very well about, uh, and that's training and uh, training and supportive resources to help build resilience within teams across organisations, health and care organisations in Somerset. In our original bid, we were talking about more trauma-informed training, but actually we decided, pivoted really, uh, that that necessarily wasn't what people needed. And given that BBC headline we just talked about earlier, uh, burnout kind of became our main sort of focus in helping people to sort of deal with the stress and burnout because, yeah, people have been on action stations now for well over a year, 15 months, a lot of people in the frontline staff particularly, they've been really on that, you know, like go, 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 you know, everything is, uh, you know, we're out there, we're making the difference, we're doing things that are really important for people and i think that you, we all only have so much energy right you know more about this than i and you've written a whole a whole book on it and talked at length about all of this um but so we, we wanted to put some things in place to help build resilience around sort of burnout and dealing with stress and uh, just sort of enhancing well-being and i think we've talked in a previous episode about putting deposits into the well-being bank uh, and sort of around more around that aspect and so one of the things that has been really instrumental that we've put in place uh, already is the thinking pit stops training Andrew which uh, I know you know a lot about so if you'd like to tell our, our listeners about thinking pit stops that would be fantastic please. Uh,
0: thinking pit stops thanks David are a really interesting intervention they were developed by a, a, a coach a very senior coach in, uh, in the country uh, as a free gift to the NHS last year as part of the crisis and She trained about six or 700 frontline staff uh, and brought together three days of training into four hours to produce an intervention that we're using in the workplace and finding very valuable. And, you know, it's a deceptively simple intervention and it looks so simple. It isn't. There's a lot of training that goes into it and there's a lot of um, delivery. But essentially racing cars enter a pit stop because they need to refuel and re-energize and recharge. A thinking pit stop enables us to think clearly under pressure by four phases. The first is a a safety check um, on how we are at this moment, what our energy is, what the amount of energy we have and what the quality of that is. And then a body decompression, uh, a short section of exercise, 10 repetitions of, of running on the spot or star jumps or similar. Um, followed by tapping um, one's body. And this sound, sounds terribly simple, but so driving a car sounds terribly simple, but you still have to learn to do it properly. But the effect of this is to burn off surface adrenaline because surface adrenaline stops us thinking clearly. Um, there's then five repetitions of performance breathing to take us down into a calm think state of stillness. And at which point, a couple of questions developed by Nancy Klein in the thinking environment and time to think, you can ask those. And in the course of an eight-minute safe, confidential space where I, as the facilitator, pay exquisite attention to you but remain silent, you can problem-solve quite a few issues in a way that we can't in normal life because in normal life a conversation crashes onto the rocks of interruptions or suggestions and so often we sort of try and be helpful so it's a fascinating intervention and then we end up um, by having finished the eight minutes of, of or up to eight minutes of thinking clearly um, just by a safety check and it's really interesting because people often come in with with, with numbers that are on the low level and, and they're not feeling that good and there's nearly always a substantial change to a higher number of amount of energy and quality of energy, occasionally people come in buzzing, 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 in which case the numbers go down into a more settled state. But Most people have a very positive experience. I don't know, David, if you've had any experience of yourself.
1: wait, you very much know I do, Andrew. I was just going to say, uh, so yeah, Andrew kindly, um, Andrew uh, has been involved in all of this since really early stages, you know, when Charo was just uh, starting, you know, way back in the pandemic before we rolled it out across Somerset. So you're a a train-the-trainer trainer. As it were, uh, but I was lucky enough to have an intervention with you thinking pit stop intervention—and actually, uh, I'm slightly skeptical about these type of things sometimes. Like coming into it, and I wasn't necessarily skeptical; I was coming into it with an open mind. But actually, it really surprised me how effective it was in just half an hour, how quickly it changed. Um, my thought processes, how I was feeling. I I felt, I think I said, I came in feeling like I had blinkers on. And then after the session, I felt like I, my eyes were open again and I could sort of breathe and sort of see, see more around me. It it definitely kind of really made me actually physically feel relaxed, but it made my mind feel clearer as well. And I think that that's the, uh, the real thing that it kind of gives people.
0: It's a fantastic intervention and David you're reminding me that I haven't offered you one recently so we must have a sort of a um, share because once you're trained it's a 12-minute intervention. and once yes. you have one, um, Yeah I know it's,
1: it's crazy how quick it can be,
0: it really yeah. is. So um, this, this, this month June we will have completed training I think probably 170 people in Somerset so we're investing right across the system across secondary care um, and primary care county council and others to introduce this and uh... it's a
1: huge achievement andrew i mean you need congratulations as does charo and everybody that's been involved in rolling that out because it's not been easy and these are senior leaders across the system who are then able to then train other people and so that's able to keep that that uh, you know the snowball rolling down the hill and so everybody will be able to partake in this or find somebody they can have an intervention with which is absolutely fantastic and i have to say i'm also trained to deliver the pit stops myself i did do the training and i think i've only done a couple of them uh, for various reasons but i i've I, I enjoy being the facilitator as well. But actually, I find it massively difficult to be quiet for eight minutes while the other person's talking. Uh, but that, that is, um, that's the really uh, interesting part of it for me is uh, is what comes out of your mouth or what comes into your mind if you're not talking, if you're just thinking. During those eight minutes, it takes you on some surprising journeys. It's fascinating
0: and we hope very much that we'll, you know, it will, it will take root in the system and become part of tier one, if I say intervention, it's, it's one of those things, you know, you use your own oxygen mass first, you're putting fuel in your own tank uh, and enabling yourself to work more effectively. We've talked about the four tiers, is, is there anything
1: we've missed there? Well, so the other thing to say is that there was another opportunity that came out a few weeks after the Resilience Hub was announced and we bid for funding. And that's an enhanced occupational health programme and project. And they were lucky enough to receive quite a good amount of funding, more than we received. But actually, they found out theirs was a one-off, non-recurrent, whereas we've had funding for a second year for the Resilience Hub, which we're deciding at the moment how to spend and what we need to invest that in which is a great great quandary to have don't get me wrong it's a good good position to be in and there's lots we can do with it but the enhanced occupational health bid um lynn perrott is the project manager for that and it's sort of uh, to do with the ics workforce team and uh, jane graham and people and mark appleby from the hospitals C- sro sro for that project
0: ics being integrated care service and sro i haven't got a clue what that. senior means.
1: responsible officer yeah, so uh, thank you for pulling me up on this. Yeah, it's the problem when you work in the NHS for a number of years, you do start speaking NHSes, don't you? <laughs> Too many acronyms. Um, but that, so, uh, what the work that they're doing is complementary to ours and synergistically, we're working together on everything we can. So, uh, for example, they don't have a website, they're going to be using our website as well. So, it's one thing. And on our website at the moment, there's a training and e learning page, but it just says coming soon. But that will very, very soon be populated with uh, work from the Enhanced Occupational Health Project. So, they're doing things like uh, funding REACT training places for people across Somerset. And I believe there are still places open. So, if you're interested, get, get in touch with the email address. the show and i can put you in touch with people if you need to um otherwise if you know lynn and the team get in touch with them directly um you'll see bulletins coming out in internal newsletters and things as well so just keep your eyes open on your organization's internal communications and you should see more about that they're also bringing in oh sorry that's right we'll put something on the program notes and update it as we get more information on this website yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, the, the other things they're doing it. There's a, an app called Shiny Minds, which they are procuring for the county as well, and that enables people to um, check in around their emotional well-being whenever they want. And actually, that you remind me, that's one of the other things that our website does as well. Is it has an emotional well-being survey, which you can go in and you, anytime you want, you can fill that in and let us know how you're feeling and what you're thinking about, and that information's received, and then we react to that to create content for the content for the podcast and things. But Shiny Minds is something that's coming out that they're going to run out in a big uh, launch at some point in the next few months and we'll all know about that and be aware and we can access it through our devices which is going to be a great resource for people Uh, and there's a lot of other work that they're doing around putting in extra training and things I think we're looking at things like um, compassion circles and emotional logic uh, and we're working together with them on all of these projects to, to make sure they're realized and rolled out as well as they can be. It's
0: a very exciting time. I'm. I'm also work for NHS Practitioner Health, and uh, early in the crisis, um, we set up some um, um, common rooms to discuss. And I remember mm. discussing with a very senior doctor who's been involved um, for many years in in colleague well-being. And he was saying, and I think this was about June, there seems to have been more energy and work towards staff well-being at the in this last three months than there has been in the last 20 years. And I, Mm. I agreed, but I was able to remind him that it was only because of the work that he had done. And he's written several books on, on supervision and support in the, um, in the caring professions that actually the time was definitely now for all Mm. these important things about, about putting fuel in our own tanks, about making sure that the only way we can look after others effectively is by ensuring that we look after ourselves as well Uh, is important. And, health doesn 't happen by accident; it needs investment and it needs it needs attention.
1: Definitely right. And Andrew, I know uh, we're coming to a sort of a close now. I think we could talk about this forever. I I think half an hour is nearly already gone, which is really, really uh, flown by. But that's something that's always interested me. Uh, I know that it's something that's been really, really close to your heart, something that you've cared about for for a long time. So I think you're glad to see that things are coming around now. You know, you're you're so knowledgeable about this. And I think uh, we ought to give your book a little plug as well. Why not? At the end, because that's a great resource people can access for free. So where can they find it? Thank you very much it's a
0: free download from healthandself.care www.healthandself.care and um, if you look at it criti- if you look at it uncritically you'll realize that actually it's what a number of us over 30 years have have learned over 30 years and which we we wish we'd learnt years ago if you look at it critically you might think Andrew, you're trying to smuggle common sense past and challenge people and smuggle common sense past very clever minds that are heavily defended. Um, I couldn't possibly say.
1: Um, <laughs> discussion points are meant for a meant for a good read. So no, definitely, and I think there's. It doesn't matter how. Uh, knowledgeable you are how how uh, sort of wise you are or intelligent you are actually it's it's nice to be reminded of these things and often it's in those moments where we're feeling anxious or we, we really need that help that your your mind goes blank and you forget where to find it or what you knew about that so i think it's great to have these resources like your book and the podcast and the hub to be able to be there for people when they need it at those moments We've mentioned the uh, Somerset Emotional Wellbeing.
0: website. We haven't given the number for the colleague support line. It's 0300 124 5595. And that's yeah, no up. worries. We did
1: do it earlier, but let's do it again. And I think let's just do it one more time as well, because I think Thank we can't say this number enough. It's almost like brainwashing in a good way 0300 124 5595.
0: Perfect that's great. David thank you very much for being a guest today for being co-host and for being our wonderful producer for getting on for 40 episodes so far and many more to come.
1: Yeah thank you Andrew and it's been a, such a, an honor to work with you guys and like I think we make such a good uh, thing resource for people that's out there and it's just really nice to be able to be a part of this with you guys and thank you and Peter for all of your help and your hosting abilities and your knowledge that you bring to it as well. So I think it's been a real team effort and long may it continue. Thank you very much, David, and thank you to all our listeners. And if you've got any comments or wish to contact us through the
0: website, please do let us know. Any comments or thoughts? or David?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I was just going to say, actually, there is also uh, we have an email address set up as well. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, to actually let us know what you think, if you've got any comments, if you want us to cover any particular topics, uh, if you've got any suggestions for guests as well. Because we, you know, we we know uh, we know people uh, that we would like to invite on the show, but we know that you would also come up with some great uh, ideas for people to come on the show. And in fact, some of our suggestions for guests we've had for people have been some of the best. Um, that we've ever had. So the email address for people to get in touch with is somccg.sewpodcast@nhs.net at net. So apologies that that's not that snappy. And you can find it in our show notes as well if you haven't got a pen and paper to hand. But we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you can, if you ever get a chance to review this on whatever platform you're listening to the show on, if it's Spotify or iTunes or whatever, please uh, hook us up with a review as well because that helps other people to find the show. And uh, we really appreciate your help and your response with that. Thank you for your help and your support. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you, David. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Somerset
0: Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tricider and Dr. Peter
1: Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.